the whole country is kind of we've we've all, the whole nation is falling back into tribalism is what I see, mm-hmm. and we're better than that. That's what I'm saying. We're better than that, people. Okay, so you know, man, that seems like Build a long the wall. Build the. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That I, I thought. I Who were the smart. two black girls that supported Trump? And they're on YouTube videos, and they kept saying, "Build the wall, build the wall, <laughs> build it tall, know. build it tall." Yeah, and underneath it, they will crawl. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people were shocked and surprised that that there were gay people, there were black people, there were Latino people that mm-hmm. really supported Trump. Uh, uh, here we go. Politics. Yeah, we're in right. politics we're now, baby. We're in politics now. Oh boy, I was hoping we had to our avoid history. The, we had our history we lesson. Our history now we're lesson. in. The, now the we're fun in the, is over. Now man. we're doing political science That's right it. here. Okay, now Where's we're gonna get the common ground. We're gonna get dirty now. All right, here we're gonna we go. scrap in the mud. Yeah. Revealing truth by exposing lies. What does that mean? That means that on this podcast, we're going to talk about a variety of subjects, but we have an intention in mind, and that is to move beyond political ideology, religious dogmatism, tribalism, and nationalism, even beyond personal opinion, beyond false authorities that so many people don't even question, and taking you, the audience, someplace that you may not be quite ready to go, to that place beyond us and them. Everybody in this country needs to get past the false authority. They need to get past the us versus them. Mm -hmm. We need to grow in the Mm -hmm. growth hierarchy. We need to go to the next level. We need to be fourth tier or we need to be integral in our thinking. And how are we going to get there without having a conversation? Without having a conversation with each other and without learning how to accept each other. Immigration. If liberals won't enforce borders, fascists will. In 2005, a left-leaning blogger wrote, Illegal immigration wreaks havoc economically, socially, and culturally, makes a mockery of the rule of law, and is disgraceful just on basic fairness grounds alone. In 2006, a liberal columnist wrote that immigration reduces the wages of domestic workers who compete with immigrants, and that the fiscal burden of low-wage immigrants is also very clear. His conclusion? We need to reduce the inflow of low-skill immigrants. That same year, a Democratic senator wrote, When I see Mexican flags waved at pro-immigration demonstrations, I sometimes feel a flush of patriotic resentment. And when I'm forced to use a translator to communicate with the guy fixing my car, I feel a certain frustration. The blogger was Glenn Greenwald. The columnist was Paul Krugman. The senator was Barack Obama. In 2008, the Democratic platform called undocumented immigrants our neighbors. But it also warned we cannot continue to allow people to enter the United States undetected, undocumented, and unchecked, adding that Those who enter our country's borders illegally, and those who employ them, disrespect the rule of law. However, by 2016, such language was gone completely. The party's platform described 
America's immigration system as a problem, but not illegal immigration itself. And it focused almost entirely on the forms of immigration enforcement that Democrats opposed. In its immigration section in the 2008 platform, it referred three times to people entering the country illegally. The immigration section of the 2016 platform, however, didn't use the word illegally at all, or any variation of it. So why has there been a shift in liberal rhetoric? The explanation is purely political. Between 2008 and 2016, Democrats became more and more confident that the country's growing Latino population gave the party an electoral advantage. To win the presidency, Democrats convinced themselves they didn't need to reassure white people who were concerned about illegal immigration, so long as they turned out their Latino base. After Obama's 2008 win, Salon magazine declared, the fastest-growing sector of the American electorate stampeded to the Democrats this November. If that pattern continues, the GOP is doomed to 40 years of wandering in the desert. Fast forward to 2016, and we have Trump in the White House. How did that happen? It would seem that the Democrats have believed their own rhetoric and painted themselves into a corner. What we see now is a combination of Latino special interests and corporate activism, which has made it perilous for Democrats to discuss the very real cost of illegal immigration, as Bernie Sanders learned the hard way. In July 2015, two months after officially announcing his candidacy for president, Bernie Sanders was interviewed by Ezra Klein, the editor-in-chief of Vox magazine. Klein asked whether, in order to fight global poverty, the U.S. should consider sharply raising the level of immigration we permit, even to the level of open borders. Sanders reacted with horror. Oh, that's a, that's a Koch brothers proposal, he scoffed. He went on to insist that right-wing people in this country would love an open border policy, bringing in all kinds of people working for $2 and $3 an hour. That would be great for them. I don't believe that. I think we have to raise wages in this country. Sanders came under immediate attack. Vox's Dylan Matthews declared that his fear of immigration labor was ugly and wrong-headed. Union leaders accused Sanders of the sort of backward-looking thinking that progressives have rightly moved away from in the past few years. Think Progress published a blog post titled, Why Immigration is the Hole in Bernie Sanders' Progressive Agenda. The senator, it argued, was supporting, quote, the idea that immigrants coming into the United States are taking jobs and hurting the economy, a theory that has been proven incorrect. Sanders stopped emphasizing immigration's costs. By January of 2016, union leaders said with some satisfaction that he had evolved on the issue, quote unquote. 
But has the claim that immigrants coming into the U.S. or taking jobs actually been proven incorrect? A decade ago, liberals weren't so sure. In 2006, Krugman wrote that America was experiencing large increases in the number of low-skilled workers and relative to other inputs in production. So it's inevitable that this means a fall in wages. It is hard to imagine a prominent liberal columnist writing that sentence today. To the contrary, progressive commentators now routinely claim that there's a near consensus among economists on immigration's benefits. However, there is no such consensus. But academics de-emphasize this wage reduction because, like liberal journalists and politicians, they face pressures to support illegal immigration for the good of the Democratic Party. Added to this, we are now living in an age of political correctness, so the term illegal immigration has been rebranded as the undocumented worker. And with all the identity politics in vogue, the so-called dreamers are now viewed as an oppressed minority that need to be protected. In 2014, the University of California listed melting pot as a term it considered to be a microaggression. While economists do differ about the extent of the damage, the fact of the matter is illegal immigration does hurt the Americans with whom those immigrants are competing. People feel this, and they vote accordingly. And since more than a quarter of Americans' recent immigrants lack even a high school diploma or its equivalent, immigration particularly hurts the least educated native workers, the very people who are already struggling the most. America's broken immigration system, in other words, pits two of the groups that liberals care about the most, the native-born poor and the immigrant poor, against each other. Consequently, this has produced a big problem for the Democratic Party. In her 2005 book, The Authoritarian Dynamic, which has been heralded for identifying the forces that powered Trump's campaign, Karen Steiner, then a professor of politics at Princeton University, wrote the following. Exposure to difference, talking about difference, and applauding difference, the hallmarks of liberal democracy, are the surest way to aggravate those who are innately intolerant and to guarantee the increased expression of their predispositions in manifestly intolerant attitudes and behaviors. Paradoxically, then, it would seem that we can best limit intolerance of difference by parading, talking about, and applauding our sameness. The next Democratic presidential nominee should commit those words to memory. There is a reason that Barack Obama's declaration in 2004 at the Democratic National Convention that there is not a liberal America and a conservative America 
there is not a black America and a white America and a Latino America and an Asian America. There is the United States of America is among his most famous lines. Americans know that liberals celebrate diversity. They're less sure that liberals celebrate unity. And Obama's ability to effectively do the latter probably contributed to the fact that he, a black man with a Muslim-sounding name, twice won a higher percentage of the white vote than did Hillary Clinton. Writing in American Sociological Review, Ariel Schachter, a sociologist professor at Washington University in St. Louis, examines the forces that influence how native-born whites view immigrants. Foremost among them is an immigrant's legal status, given that natives often assume that Latinos are undocumented, even when they aren't. It follows that illegal immigration indirectly undermines the status of those Latinos who are living in the U.S. legally. This, incidentally, is why many Latinos voted for Trump. They came to this country legally, and they speak English. They don't like the fact that others are breaking the rules, making no effort to assimilate, and consequently making them look bad. This is also why conservatives can rail against government benefits for undocumented immigrants, even though illegal aliens are already barred from receiving many of those benefits. They know Americans will be more reluctant to support government programs if they believe that those programs are somehow benefiting people who've come into this country illegally. That's how the right plays politics. To win elections, liberals not only need to change their rhetoric, but also their mindset as well. Schachter's research also shows that native-born whites feel a greater affinity towards immigrants who speak fluent English. That's particularly significant because, according to the National Academics Report, newer immigrants are learning English much slower than their predecessors did. Democrats should put immigrants learning English at the center of their immigration agenda. If more immigrants speak English fluently, native-born Americans will feel a stronger connection to them and be more likely to support government policies that help them. Promoting English will also give Democrats a greater chance of attracting those native-born whites who are growing distrustful of the Democratic Party's promotion of diversity, which they view as a threat. According to a pre-election study by Adam Balanca, a Stanford political scientist, the single best predictor of whether a voter supported Trump was whether he or she agreed with the following statement. People living in the U.S. should follow American customs and traditions. The next Democratic presidential candidate should say again and again that because Americans are one people, we must abide by one law. Now, I suspect that this Democratic presidential candidate will have on his agenda a goal of reducing Americans' undocumented population to zero. For liberals, the easy part of fulfilling that pledge is supporting a path to citizenship for the undocumented who have put roots down in the U.S. The hard part, which Hillary Clinton largely ignored in her 2016 presidential run, 
is backing tough immigration enforcement so that the path to citizenship doesn't become a magnet that entices more immigrants to enter the U.S. illegally. As former presidential Ron Paul has said, building a wall isn't going to solve the problem if we don't remove the incentives. As states raise their minimum wages, the temptation to hire people of precarious immigration status will intensify. Employers who take advantage of immigration status to cheat workers of their pay or harass or abuse them sexually or force them to work in unsafe conditions should be prime targets for criminal prosecution. President Trump seethes against illegal border crossings. Yet at least five of his golf resorts employed undocumented laborers for the first two years of his presidency. At one of his resorts, fully half of the winter staff worked here illegally. If employers stopped hiring undocumented workers, those workers will not be induced to cross the border in the first place. Perhaps employers of unauthorized labor should face some stiff penalties and have a little fear that would deter them from law-breaking. But the, uh, the Trump organization will almost certainly face no consequences for its law-breaking. Now, this should be a talking point in the next election, and if it isn't, then the Democrats are not very serious about winning. The bottom line here is the Democrats need to change their rhetoric and the way they think. Because as David Froome has said, if liberals insist that only fascists will enforce borders, then voters will hire fascists to do the job that liberals refuse to do. Liberals must take seriously Americans' yearning for social cohesion if they want to win elections. They must convince native-born white Americans that immigrants will not weaken the bonds of national identity. This means dusting off a concept many on the left currently hate and find to be anathema to their deeply ingrained ideology, namely assimilation. And this is a big reason why I don't see things changing. Nevertheless, to win elections, it must. Promoting assimilation need not mean expecting immigrants to abandon their culture. But it does mean breaking down the barriers that segregate them from the native-born. And it means celebrating America's diversity less and its unity more. Americans are entitled to consider carefully whom they will number among themselves. They would be irresponsible not to consider this carefully. Because of all these expensive commitments being made to these immigrants, there must be some deep agreement that all who live in the borders of the United States count as Americans, as we do ourselves, as we count ourselves Americans. Many Americans feel that the country is falling short of its promises of equal opportunity and equal respect. Levels of immigration that are too high only enhance the difficulty of living up to those promises. Therefore, reducing immigration and selecting immigrants more carefully will enable the country to more quickly and successfully absorb the people who come here and to ensure equality of opportunity to both the newly arrived and the long settled.
to restore to Americans the feeling of belonging to one united nation, responsible for the care and the flourishing of all of its people. <laughs> Democrats should put immigrations. Democrats should put immigrants learning English. If more immigrants were to speak English fluently, if immigrants speak English, uh, if, English if immigrants speak English, <clears throat> from prehistoric times, immigration has been the core theme that has run through the history of the human race. Ever since our ancestors first walked upright in sub-Saharan Africa, the human story has been one of exploring new lands in search of new hunting grounds and then later with the agricultural revolution, new farming lands. Down throughout all of human history, there are stories of peoples who immigrated from one land to another. Migration and immigration have two factors that influence them. The first is the pushing factor and the second is the pulling factor. Pushing factors include a lack of resources, poverty, famine, violence, war, and pulling factors include the hope of freedom from those things, more abundant resources, protection and peace, and greater opportunity. From the times of ancient Rome, when the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths immigrated into the Roman Empire in hopes of better opportunities and chances to find new lands to cultivate, down through history with the Vikings' exploration of medieval Russia and their settlement in England and Scotland, all the way through the discovery by Western Europeans of the New World. And of course I use that word discovery lightly because the natives of this continent had been here for eons before Western Europeans immigrated or migrated to these two new continents in the New World. The story of human immigration from that point on takes on a bit of a different turn. Because of the early explorers from Spain and Portugal, and because of the diseases that they carried with them, the native population of North and South America was decimated by a plague that has not been seen before or after in human history. And so Europeans found both these continents virtually deserted, and they were ripe for the taking with very little resistance from the native people. It is in the New World that the story of immigration begins to change. With the conquering of the native people, Europeans, mostly of Western European and Northern European descent, settled into North and South America in following the same narrative as all humans. They were being pulled by a chance to make fame and fortune and increase their power. And they were being pushed by their governments. And in the case of common people, they were being pulled by a chance to break out and go into a new land and they were being pushed by poverty, especially in England by the Enclosure Act, by violence, and by religious and ethnic persecution. 
the history of America is very peculiar in that it was founded by immigrants, and the some of the core values of being an American includes this country as a second chance or as a land of opportunity. A lot of people came here, they were uh, white people fleeing persecution or religious and they otherwise, were, yes. and a lot of those people were indentured servants. Yes, they were. And let's not, of course, let's not forget the uh, the people that were not indentured servants and were brought here against their will. Uh, but that's a, that's another subject. But um, yes, and, and most of them, they were indentured servants. They voluntarily engaged in voluntary slavery just for the opportunity to come to this country. Yeah, and they were paying a debt. They were paying a debt, and once they worked that debt off, then they stayed in this country, and from the earliest times... Then they went to Kentucky. Then they went to Kentucky and Indiana and Illinois and... And they... Um, and they, and they and that was Alabama. Indian country. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they were putting themselves at risk, you know. Absolutely. Uh, because the, the Indians were ready to scalp them. And, and why were the Indians ready to scalp them? Because they were invaders. Yes. Now, like, let me say, that's what started the Civil War. When the North invaded the South, boom, it was on. When mm-hmm. you cross the border of somebody else's territory, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they decide to, uh, you know, put an end to you, that's a long, there's a that's human history right there. I mean, that's been going on since that's day one. That's been going on since day one. Yeah. Now, the but one, who invented scalping? Actually, that was a white man's invention. I wanted you to say that. Absolutely, yes. okay, I knew that. Okay, I just wanted you to put Absolutely. that on the record. Absolutely, yeah. it's a twist. It's it's um, right. Well, anyway, we won't pick on white people. So too much the here, indentured but. servants went to Kentucky and got and they got scalped. Well, who can they <laughs> who can they thank for that? Well, they can thank the white man, but here's here's <laughs> here's the thing that I that I do want to point out is that there's a difference. You're you're you're. I like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you a little bit. Sure. You're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing apples to oranges, because the the white man or the Western Europeans and Northern Europeans came to this continent as in their mind they were immigrating. But in the mind of the Native Americans, they were invading. Now, if you look down through history, that is exactly what European immigrants were doing. When they came, when the Spanish came over, they enslaved the Native American population. We, uh, not we, but our ancestors, if you happen to be white, came over and we forcibly took lands from the Natives of uh, this continent. Now, if you look into more recent American history, say in the Irish and the potato famine, uh, or say the uh, immigration at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century, those people from Southern Europe and from Ireland, which was a Catholic country, did not come to invade, did not come to take lands or to conquer people or to murder people or to declare war. They came for a different reason. They came for a better opportunity, and they came because they were fleeing persecution. So to compare um, the uh, Western European settlement, the original settlement of Western Europeans on this continent with later settlement of other people types is really not an apples to apples comparison. So Okay, now I'm sorry. I've been paying attention attentively mm-hmm. and I still went over my head. 
What do you mean, apples and oranges? Make it simple for me. Okay. Talk I'll... to me like I'm stupid. <laughs> well, we're done with, so I'll do what I can. <laughs> uh, what I mean is that what I'm talking about is the intention of the migrating people. The intention of the migrating people and how they relate to the existing people that are there. Okay? All right, so let me rephrase that in my own words just mm-hmm. to make sure I understand sure. what you're saying. So. What you're saying is that there's some native people mm-hmm. who've been living on this land for time immemorial. Right. Um, and some pale faces show up in a boat. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, they they don't even recognize the boat because they've never seen a boat before. Right. So they don't Not even, like they that. can't even really, they're looking at it and don't know what they're looking at. Like clouds. Like, what is it? A mm-hmm. cloud? What is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the witch doctor is like, he realizes that. It's an invasion of people. Witch doctor. Oh, man. All of you Native American people out there, I want to formally apologize for uh, t- calling a medicine man a witch doctor, so thank you very much. Go ahead. Shall we call him a shaman? Shaman in we... the most general sense. Okay. Yes. So All right. Well, I'll take that, but I'm not man. Native American, so... Medicine man. Yeah, That's medicine another man white is man more invented. appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Witch doctor. Okay. Wise what, man. What? A... Pale faces show up, and uh, there's hostilities. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. not immediately, but it doesn't take too long, I'm guessing. Yes, okay. exactly. And so the Gerard Diamond wrote the book uh, Guns, Germs, and War, Guns, Germs, and Steel, which is a book I highly recommend because it talks about this. Mm. And okay. it tells the whole history of why the Anglo-Americans had superiority over the natives of North and South America, as you mentioned and you, you make reference to. Mm-hmm. Military um, superiority. And that's a very good book, highly recommended uh, to me by my atheist friends. So Mm. anyone listening to this podcast who would consider themselves uh, to be atheist, you're going to enjoy that book. Okay. Um, And anybody else, uh, don't read it. Whatever you do, don't read it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, I'm going to challenge you. I haven't read the book and I'm not an atheist, so I need to read it. Don't read it. it Just because you said you didn't. That's why I tell people, don't read it, yeah. because that's the only way you get people that's to do anything. That's the only anything. way. That's the only you tell way. them not to do it, now they're, they'll now do they're it. interested. They'll do it. Do okay. not have a revolution I've been telling people to read this book for years, and no one does. Ah. So I'm going to reverse psychology and tell you not to read it. There you go. Okay. There you go. Um, but I'm trying to get the apples and oranges thing. So sure. you're saying that immigration that took place um, over eons of time in Europe, where there was borders that... Would borders would change? Like you look at a map and you see Poland was like this huge uh, place on the map, and then it, and then Hungary uh, starts to get bigger, and then Poland gets smaller, then Germany gets bigger, and like Germany wasn't even Germany at one that, time. That's that's more that's more politics, and that's more just arbitrarily the movement of borders or war. There's the movement of one group of people with the intention of overtaking and conquering the other group of people. And then there is movement of one group of people with the intention of joining or at least cohabitating with the new group of people. Because there's established culture. Yes. And and they have similarities. They may not speak the same language, but they all build houses above ground. So when I say apples and oranges, what I mean is, is that as the Western Europeans came in, encountered the Native Americans... And one culture intended on dominating and eventually replacing the other. Well, that's because there were witch doctors and savages. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Well, you had to be there. I guess you don't. I, you just don't know. I, mean, I guess I just don't know. You don't get it. I don't get it. But, I know, you uh, liberals don't get it. Yeah, yeah. All I know is this, is that there's actually... They weren't Christians! Yeah, oh boy, don't get me started on Listen, that. Listen, we got to baptize those baby 
uh, Indians. Those, those baby Indians against and, their will. Yeah, well, we'll, kill, we'll, we'll kill their parents kill the and baptize parents. the babies. Yeah, what absolutely. we do is we line up. This is what the Russians mm. did in Alaska. Mm. They would they would take all the men from the village, Indian village. They would line them up and mm. they would try to kill them with one bullet. So they didn't want to use too many bullets. <laughs> so they'd get like they'd get they'd get them lined up uh, back to back and shoot them through the belly. With one bullet, they didn't have bullets. They had, you know, uh, they were like cannonballs that right, came out of a. Right, yeah. right. So they they would they have a musket and they would mm-hmm. shoot the cannonball through the belly of the and they could kill about six. My goodness. That way, and then Wonderful. they would impregnate their their women. They were the, the women, you know, that used to have husbands that mm, just that now just, just died. That yeah. just died. So mm-hmm. then they would impregnate. They'd sleep with the women, you know, rape the women, mm-hmm. and uh, and impregnate them. So their children, of course, were Russian mixed Aleut and you know mm-hmm. whatever, and they had Russian names mm-hmm. like Kavaznikov and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, it, that's the history. This is and, new to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what they did. It's pretty typical of, of Europeans and the way they treated the native people. Yeah, it's the same story. It was just the, the I, it was the Russians that did it in Alaska, but it's the same story. It happened all over the world. Absolutely. The thing that I do want to point out, and we're going to get off of this but, kick, and but and they, get but to then the other they one. made them, all, they baptized them all as Christians. The Spanish did the same thing. The Catholics down yep. in South America, only yep. they they were even crueler. You know what they did mm-hmm. was. They would baptize the baby by sprinkling the water on their head, little cross mm-hmm. on their head, mm-hmm. and then they take the child by the leg and smash it against a rock, smash My its goodness. skull against a rock, and kill the baby. So the soul would be saved, what? but the uh, the uh, the body of the baby would never grow up to be an Indian that would oppose the uh, well, Spanish. Yeah, we got to make sure they go to heaven. Right. Yeah, before we murder them. It works. I mean, that's, it's guaranteed to get them into heaven. If you believe that you have to be baptized to go to heaven, then why let them grow up and become savages again? After right, you, yeah. Kill them well, immediately. Let, let me say... Kill them immediately. Let me say one thing. Somebody's going to record that and then call you a crazy person. But anyway, let me say one thing. That's about, history. There's actually recorded incidents of um, Native American tribes raiding early American villages or early colonial villages. And um, as they did, they would uh, take captives. And there's actually recorded events where the men of the village, or the men of the colonial village, would go to find the women and the children, and the women and the children would refuse or would have to be taken by force to rejoin the white culture. So maybe the uh, Western, the Western Europeans were superior militarily, but that's not a very good vote for cultural superiority. But anyway, let's bring we, that's that's the apples. Let's talk about the oranges for just a little bit. So the other type of um, immigration that happened in this country, let's say with the Irish and let's say with the Southern Europeans and. Um, they don't come to conquer or to invade or to corrupt. They come to assimilate and to, oh, I beg to differ. To, uh, to to come and make a better life and to raise their children and uh, to uh, join this country. And yes, I know what you're going to say. You do? Absolutely. They're going to come here and they're going to make a whole lot of money. No. And they're going to send some of that money back to Mexico. What I was going to say is mm. I was going to ask you a question. Mm. Okay. And that is, why did God invent alcohol? <laughs> uh, did you have some alcohol before we started this podcast? No, sir. <laughs> the reason that God invented alcohol 
is to keep the Irish from taking over the world. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We know the Irish. The Irish have this conspiracy man. They are really part of the Illuminati, and it's their plan to take over the world. So what we got to do is we got to keep them out of this country. They need not apply. And they need to stay away. We got to be. We got to warn people about the Irish. So all of you Irish cops out there, we know what you're up to. It's, we know what you're doing. Uh, the cops, yeah. Uh, they, most of those, most of those coppers were Irish. And yeah. you know, the, the point that I'm trying to make in my little history lesson here is that um, sometimes cultures come in to invade and to conquer and to dominate. And sometimes, other times, cultures come in to assimilate and looking for a better opportunity with no intention of invading or conquering. It's very important to know the difference. Yeah, I get it. So, you know, there was a potato farming. There was a potato famine. Potato famine in Ireland. And a lot of the Irish came uh, through uh, Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. They didn't speak English. Um, And the first thing that they, as soon as they got off the boat, they were handed a Union uniform and a musket and told to march into Arkansas. <laughs> and um, they they didn't speak English. They didn't know what the f*** was going on. Right. <laughs> and they ended up getting killed in Pea Ridge, Arkansas. Hmm. If you go to Pea Ridge, Arkansas, have you gone to the Oh, yeah. The I've, museum? Been through, I've been through the whole thing, yeah. Absolutely. Did you notice in the history when you read through it that a lot of these Irish didn't speak English? I did not know that. I suppose they spoke Gaelic. Could be. Yeah. Hmm. Now, the, the Gaelic-speaking Irish, now, that's your black Irish, okay? And those are the guys that want to take over the world, <laughs> okay? It's only because of alcohol that's stopping them. Oh, that's there like you the, go. It's the only there thing that's go. getting in the way. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, let's wrap this up. We got the sure. apples and oranges, and I like what you said about push and pull, mm. um, And but we can pick that up on the other side. Let's uh, let's break here, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Let's uh, get a little history lesson from the dimwit, um, <laughs> Dwight Hignite. There you go. There you go. In America, the story of immigration for the dominant culture takes a bit of a turn. Most people in the old world, from Western Europe to Russia to China and even to Africa and East Asia, can trace their heritage back eons to a land that has been theirs for thousands of years or to a land that is, in the scheme of things, somewhat close by. In the new world, the dominant culture, including the American culture and the Latino culture of south of the border, and um, the uh, Canadian culture north of our country uh, traces their lineage not to the continent that they live on, but to a continent that they immigrated from. As human history moves on, begin to focus on the United States. In the United States, the vast majority, perhaps as much as 95 to 98 percent of the population, can trace their heritage not to the land on which they're living, but the land of Europe or Africa or Asia. So the United States was formed as a nation after English colonists rebelled from the motherland. And the colonists came to this country in the usual push and pull of immigration. One could say that all of America, with the exception of the Native Americans, is a society and a culture of immigrants. Down throughout human history, the existing culture that has absorbed the migrants has usually started with resistance. In ancient Rome, the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths and the Germanic peoples of northern Europe were viewed as barbarians. In this country, the Irish, during the 1800s, the early 1800s, were viewed as subhuman Europeans. And the Chinese, because their culture and their appearance were still vastly different, were viewed as also something less than human. 
and were virtually enslaved in the building of the railroads and other infrastructure in the middle to the western half of the country. Now in the 21st century, the newest people group that have begun to move into this country are those of Latin American descent. 17% of the American population are immigrants. The full 27% of the population of the United States are immigrants and the children of immigrants. It has been a narrative of many in the dominant culture to view Mexican and Central American and South American immigrants as illegal, as slipping over the border in the middle of the night, or as swimming across the Rio Grande under the watchful eyes of the United States Border Patrol. However, statistics have shown, again, according to the Center for Foreign Relations, that the vast majority of illegal immigrants do not arrive by sneaking across the border or swimming across the river, but by getting a temporary visa, flying to the United States, and then overstaying their visa and quickly disappearing into the shadows. Many in the United States view those that have come to this country with suspicion and with fear and with ignorance, while others view those who have come to this country with a mixture of curiosity and hope. What cannot be denied is that the culture and the government and the society of the United States is one that is built by immigrants and is consists of immigrants over the past 500 years. And so there is a conflict of two competing views. The view that the immigrant is a danger, bringing with him diseases and corruptive ideas, and the view that an immigrant is a symbol of hope and a symbol of what has created America. As we watch the news and gather information from the internet, we see these two opposing views working themselves out before our very eyes. Mark, you've got a you know, you've got a lot of sources, man, and it really sounds good. And I had a, I'm sure that my history lesson was a bit of a snore fest. I wish I had as much time to to look up the sources. You've got you made some great points in uh, in your discussion here. Most of them, I you know, I'm going to agree with you. Hillary lost the election because she forgot 50 percent of the country. Now, the idea that a lot of Hispanics and a lot of African Americans and a lot of this and a lot of that voted for Trump, eh, maybe just enough. But let's keep in mind that he still lost the popular vote. If it wasn't for the Electoral College, Hillary would be president right now. Let's just remember that. I don't remember that. Is yeah, that true? That is very true. Absolutely. Um, Trump lost the uh, popular vote by, I think, about 300,000, something like that. And then he went off at the very beginning of his term and said that there was widespread voter fraud and that, you know, the popular vote was suppressed because if it was if there wasn't voter fraud and suppression of the popular vote, he would have won the popular vote, too. Eh, whatever. Well, do you okay. know you know why we... That was actually completely unsubstantiated. It was never found to be true. Go ahead. Uh, were there weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? No. Not the second time. Well, if there was, uh, we would know about it because we sold them to Saddam. So, <laughs> uh, it kind of makes, you know, when you hear it talk about, Republicans talking about voter fraud. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're standing in the great state of Texas when they say that. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget um, South Carolina here just recently. Or Chicago. Mm. 
or I mean, that's the Democrats. That's the Democrats yeah. playground. Mm. Wasn't yeah. there another election that was contingent upon the popular vote versus the electoral college? And who was we? I believe it was Al Gore and George W. Al Gore could be president. In fact, it I was be. I was watching a science fiction it's a show. Thing. I was watching this show called The OA. And if mm. anybody, it's a great show. Watch this show; it's awesome. She wakes up in another dimension, another timeline, uh-huh. and they they want to make she's got a bump on the head, and they want to make sure that she's okay. She, uh-huh. she said they asked the nurse asks her uh, what year is it, and she said she says the correct year, and she goes who's president, and she says Barack Obama, and the nurse looks at her who's that, <laughs> and then she looks up at the TV, and there's Al Gore getting uh, on, get on Air Force One. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Al Gore, Barack Obama, I'm okay with either one. You know. So in an right. alternate timeline, mm-hmm. the Electoral College may not work so good. Well, that's a whole other podcast. We can talk about the Electoral but College later. But it's fun to talk it about. It is fun. But oh, man. I'm telling you, you, we've had several presidents that shouldn't have been president. So, um, you know, we're going to disagree on this one because yeah. I support the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. We, we briefly talked about it once before. And I'm like, yeah. there's a reason why it exists. It's necessary, blah, blah, blah. It that's was. My, it's it, not It now, was necessary at the time. We could the argue time. about whether it's still necessary. If you want to get mm-hmm. rid of it, fine. But the, the law is the law. It is what it is. It is what and it so, is for now. You know, it's like when you're playing a football game. Game, and so, uh, and one of the referees throws a flag on the play, and mm-hmm. you're going to sit there and tell me you should have won the football game. No, there's rules. Yeah, but those rules can be changed. Right. Okay. So I'm all. You want to have an instant replay? <laughs> you, you want you want to have instant replay? Yeah. And say, yeah. okay, who voted for who? Okay. And, and I, I I'm not opposed. I don't to need a who voted for who. What I'm saying is, is if you do the math and you look at the the way the system is set up, each state stands alone. So, uh, <laughs> you know, states with the least amount of population can have a major effect on the election. That's fine. I understand that. But the popular vote is the popular vote. Either we're a democracy or we're not a democracy. Well, and yeah, the I, I'm electoral not a, college is completely not democratic. Let me just, say, let me just say that um, if you want to have a pure democracy, you talked about math, math, okay, mm-hmm. Well, when you say math, the first thing that goes through my head is Bitcoin. Ah. Okay, and Bitcoin is not just a currency. It can be used as a voting system because the blockchain technology cannot be uh, fabricated. You can't counterfeit Bitcoin. Yeah. And if you used it to create a popular vote system, it would be 100% reliable. There wouldn't be any shenanigans like you get in Chicago. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I have often fantasized, I haven't talked about this on the podcast we're getting really far away oh, from the we're immigration not ta- we're not debate. talking about the electoral college right now so just just i just want to make that clear yeah go, right, go, go right, ahead go right. ahead but anyway we'll get back to the subject of immigration for just a second but uh i've often wondered with today's technology why it wouldn't be possible to have a popular vote much more often or on various things uh if you we're able to, by the use of technology, count votes with, you know, I mean, the people could have so much more voice. Yeah, absolutely. Than, and, and than what they do now. And you know what? I'm mm. agreeing with you, and I, I, and I support that, okay? Because I know the technology. I know blockchain yeah. technology. I know you I know can't you counterfeit Bitcoin. And so it is possible, technically possible, to have a pure democracy for the first time in history. So why not? So why not? It's rocking the boat, baby. Of course. 
It's rocking the but boat. But I'm all about rocking them. Uh, me too. I'm all about rocking that boat. Me too. Power uh, to the people, man. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, but th- uh, we've talked about this, and I'm just going to repeat myself. Sure. If you want to bring about change in the world, it has to be bottom up. Absolutely. You're not going to implement a new system of voting from the top from down. From the top down, because here is the thing. We're going to get back to immigration in just a second. Yeah, Bear with us. Yeah, we're getting back. But here's the thing. If you're in power, your number one goal is to stay in power. Right. Yeah. And you're going to kiss whoever's ass you got to yeah. kiss. Yeah. And you're going to do whatever you can to make sure that you keep your job, you keep your contacts, and you keep your wealth. Speaking of that, mm. this is going to bring us back to the topic. Mm. Speaking of that, entrenched um, political ideologies at the top of a, of a hierarchical structure and pyramid, mm-hmm. DNC, Democrat Democratic National Committee. Are they going to get please, wise please, please to the... Don't, pro- please don't cuss on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, try, I try to refrain myself. I try not to use too much profanity, but yeah. sometimes DNC slips I, out. I'll, I'll make you a deal. If you won't say RNC, I, I, uh, I won't say RNC if you don't say DNC. How's that? Is that DNC, all right? DNC. DNC. <laughs> Republican National Committee. Okay, okay, okay. Stop. <laughs> stop. There we go. Stop. Yeah, okay. okay. Don't interrupt. Stop. Stop. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Go ahead. I almost vomited in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard that, the T yeah. word. So the that, thing that, is that. that these people who are at the head of these political parties, uh, they're, they're not going to swivel on a dime even though they need to. They're not sure. going to pivot. They're not going to change their mind. They're deeply entrenched in their ideology and their positions. Their Not only that, they're beholding to their special interests. They're mm-hmm. basically their hands are tied. I mean, mm-hmm. how are they going to change on, their mind? That's on both sides of the aisle. I know. Um, so everything that I said mm-hmm. about my advice to the Democrats mm-hmm. is just gonna is it's, it's basically gonna go in one ear out the other. It's I mean, sure. um, I, I might as well be talking to a wall. Well, it may not because um, surely. Surely, the established Democrats realize, and as a matter of fact, they they always the 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 word "white working class" has become mentioned much more often since the election of Donald Trump. So surely, next year, somebody's going to have an understanding to reach out to the white working class. Now, are Democrats going to say you should speak English? Okay, let's talk about language for just a few minutes. Okay? DNC. Oh, I'm no, sorry. No, 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 don't cuss now. I told I'm you sorry. Not to I was cuss. I was trying to clean up my language. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying, but I think just for future okay. re- just just for reference, the reason why I can't stand those three letters together is because uh, in 2016, I really believe that we could have had a different nominee, even though even though uh, my uh, <clears throat> comrade here in arms here has. Uh, Mentioned some things that Bernie said that you know wasn't exactly appropriate for today's politics. You don't think so? Uh, well, now here, here's here's what I here's what I'm saying. Let me let me give you my view of because you know you've gave me yours. Mm-hmm. You know, so let me let me give you my view on um, modern day immigration. Okay. Okay. So uh, first of all, when when the word when the word immigration is spoken immediately. The first thing that uh, comes to people's minds is illegal immigrants. And that's really, I think, what the issue is. Now, that's not the whole issue. Because, uh, again, if you go back to my little history lesson, um, there's, there is a difference in cultures between the Anglo-American culture and the Latino culture. And Donald Trump, in, in my opinion, only as a leftist, 
Donald Trump found that dark spot in the minds of people who belong to the dominant culture. He found that dark spot. He found that fear, and he manipulated that fear, and he grew that fear, and by that manipulation and by that fear, he, along with the you know, faulty electoral college, was allowed to get himself quite a few votes and to get elected. So, now that's my opinion. No, I agree. He rode that horse all the he, way to 1600 Pennsylvania it. Avenue. He still rides it. He's sure. still riding it. Look, he, I mean, he, only had to do, he, he only had to do three things. He said, make America great again, mm. right? Yeah. Fake news, yeah. fake news, fake news, mm-hmm. and build a wall. Build a wall, build a wall, build a wall. And all he had to do was repeat that. And, and that's repeat exactly that. what he did. Build a wall, fake news, make America great again. And that... That was the horse he rode all the Absolutely. way to 1600 Pennsylvania and watch Avenue. And CNN or Fox News, either one, regard, Fox News is going to say it's a great idea, CNN's going to say it's of the devil, but he's still saying the same thing all the way. So here's, here's what I see as the issue with immigration. You have, you have two things. One is a deeper sense. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a matter of, I think what you, the word you used was the melting pot or assimilation. And oh, that's a microaggression. That's a microaggression. Please okay. watch your language. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to cuss a little bit, but just forgive me. All right, so the the main issue there, I think, is the, is the language, English. Okay? Now, the idea, it, it's really funny coming, coming from libertarians and coming from the right and coming from Republicans who believe in freedom and this kind of stuff to want to insist that immigrants know how to speak English. Whereas the side on the left, we don't insist that. Because here's what the truth is. A first-generation immigrant coming from Mexico or Honduras or uh, coming from uh, any other place, they're going to speak English barely. But I'm telling you from personal experience, and anybody out there, because there are so many immigrants in this country, anybody out there is going to know this. By the second generation, their kids are speaking English. They're speaking English by the time they get to kindergarten. If they don't make it in kindergarten, they're going to speak it by first grade. So we have so many first-generation people that don't speak English. Let me ask you, those of you out there who are thinking about this, put yourself in their place. If you immigrated to Germany, or to Russia, mm-hmm. uh, or to China, or to, uh, you know, Nigeria, or even to Honduras, would you be able to speak Spanish, and would you, and if you were around people who spoke the same language as you did most of the time, would it be easy for you to pick up Spanish? No. But if your kids are going to school, they're going to pick up Spanish very easily, because it's a matter of psychology. It's a matter of brain development. Once you're past a certain age, once you're past in your in your in adulthood and it, it, coming from around your your mid to late twenties, that language is pretty solidified in your mind. But whenever you're young, your brain is very adaptable and it's still in the learning stage, and you can pick up a new language. So if if you're walking through Walmart and you hear a lot of people speaking Spanish. You know, look around. Who are they speaking to? They're speaking to other Spanish-speaking people, probably their family. But if you watch their kids, when they're interacting with people who only speak English, it's the kids that talk because the kids know how to speak English. And as generations pass by, guess what happens? 
the Spanish language. I know some Hispanic kids that don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. The Spanish language fades, and it becomes a point of trying to keep your culture in relearning Spanish. So to insist that people immediately learn how to speak English, you know, you can do that if you want, but it's just not realistic. Okay. You know what? I'm going to concede that point. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm going to concede that point, and and I have I to rethink. One, one, I might have to rethink that. Um, you know, I, I do, I do agree with. You're making sense. Yeah. Well, I can't argue. I can't argue with common sense. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things about our podcast is that we find common ground common with ground. common sense. Absolutely. And if common sense dictates that I change my position, I'll change my position. You know, I did a test the other day uh, that I had taken years ago that kind of test uh, whether you're a libertarian or not. Mm. Uh, and it, it based on several criteria, and I've mm-hmm. always tested libertarian. Uh-huh. Do you know I tested it? I did it the other day, and I came down as a centrist on everything. What? I know. That's sacrilege. I think you're having an effect on me. Oh man! Here in a few months, I might bring you all the way over to the Marxist thing. No, I doubt that. Yeah. I suspect that you're a more centrist now than you've ever been. Oh, don't. And you I'm shut not. You, you shut I your mouth. I don't know if I should give you credit for affecting. <laughs> I think. I think it's a natural occurrence as you get older. As you get you know, older, you, you mellow. You move from the left to the center, and from the right to the center. Yeah, I think, absolutely. But I, I will say this though: our conversations are very helpful to me, to because there are blind spots in my mind, and there are prejudices and preconceived ideas. And. and and honestly, I have the same. Yeah. Uh, Mar- Mark's challenged me to to really make sure that I know what I'm talking about, which I usually don't, and to consider that some of the things he has to say, you know, might be right, you know, or it might be at least a little bit right. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 very useful, and I think that uh, to to be able to have a dialogue with somebody on the other side of the political fence from your, yourself, and um, of course. Um, you know, someone of who you can have an, a, a good conversation with, an mm-hmm. intellectual sparring and partner. Not fighting. Yeah, have a real dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and a real mm-hmm. conversation. And mm-hmm. um, so, I, I feel like people who who don't have that are really missing out. Absolutely. Um, not only for the camaraderie and the friendship, but mm-hmm. also because they need to have their ideas challenged. Absolutely. And if you get pissed off every time you talk about politics or religion, guess what? There's something wrong with you. Absolutely. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It really means that you're insecure in your ideas. You're insecure in your beliefs. You're overcompensating for your fear that you really don't believe in what you're standing for by being angry. Yeah, there's such a thing as uh, growth hierarchies as opposed to dominant hierarchies. I mean, we can talk about hierarchical structures in the DNC. Uh, we can yeah. Or we can talk about hierarchical structures, you know, that exist in the political world or wherever. Yeah. And we can say that they're bad, they're patriarchal, that, you know, this is male dominance. And you can argue that you all you want to, especially mm-hmm. if you're a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my argument is that there are growth hierarchies, okay? And, in fact, it was a feminist who pointed that out. Mm-hmm. And her name was Carol um, uh, Gilligan. And she wrote an academic book, I forget what it was called, uh, The Rise of Feminism or something like that. I think I've actually heard of that name. Yeah. Um, well, did she have anything to do with uh, feminist uh, yeah. therapy? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I've heard that name, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. She she's one of the, originated the idea of growth hierarchies, and she actually called it that. And okay. she, expl- she explained that feminists uh, go through growth hierarchies where they start out at the bottom where it's kind of selfish or what she calls, you know, what we might term egotistical. Okay, mm-hmm. we almost associate that with men, but that's the prejudice of feminists. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then you go to the uh, <laughs> then you go to the second level where you care about your group or your family, your uh-huh. immediate circle, and mm-hmm. so that's a growth 
uh, a personal development of where you start, you stop being selfish and you care about your family. Now, this is easy for women because they have children, they're nurturing. It's a natural thing. That's to, very stereotypical, dude. I it's scientific, women, man. I know some women, man, that ain't all that nurturing, even if they got kids. No, it's or scientific. Not. Okay. okay, it's all right. All right, we'll go with that. I'm, I'm going to say that for now because we're really supposed to be talking about immigration. There's exceptions to again. every rule, but when yeah, you there, when you, that's what I want. When you, you to look, say. but that's when you look at the bell curve of men and women, mm-hmm. and you you lay that bell curve of a man, typical men uh, demographic over the female demographic, what you find is that they match up in the majority of the center parts, but it's on the outer edges of the bell, gra- of the bell graph that where they where they where there's deviance. Well, there's the outliers. The, yeah, the, outliers. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you I just know like to poke about. me. You yeah, like I just to like to poke me. you a little bit. Okay, listen. Make sure you're not uh, it, generalizing too much. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so getting back to the growth hierarchies uh-huh. b- briefly is that there was a feminist who put this out there, you know? So I'm giving props to her, man. Cop, st- stop yeah. giving me a hard time. Oh, yeah, go, I mean, go, how go. many conservatives do you know? Who give props to uh, Carol uh, Gilligan? Go, baby, go. Okay, go. all right. Damn, <laughs> damn. So then you have level one. You have level two. Then level three is like national or uh, outside. It can even be uh-huh. global. It's it's outside of your immediate group. It's uh-huh. like having a big picture. Mm-hmm. So you know and. So basically, that's a man, and so women finally graduate to being. Oh, 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 oh my god! Oh, I'm oh, sorry, man. Two white guys talking about this. <laughs> that, oh, was my god. that was wrong. That was wrong. I didn't yeah, mean that. I, yeah, come on, yeah. I just said that to get a reaction. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I don't absolutely. believe that. The yeah, point is yeah. that there are growth hierarchies, and you can. And there's a level four she identified, hmm. which is even, uh, which is. I don't know what term you want to use for that. It's like integral is the term that's being used today. Mm -hmm. That's not the term she used. But the point is that we all human beings need to get to the integral stage, whether you call it the level four or the level eight or whatever, because there's different uh, people have different systems to try to calculate these growth hierarchies. Okay, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But the point mm -hmm. is we uh, and they also make a distinction between growing personally as an individual, growing up as an adult versus waking up in a spiritual sense, like a Buddhist monk would meditate Mm -hmm. and come to enlightenment. Mm -hmm. These are two different things. Mm -hmm. Now, that's going to be the subject of another podcast, but... What are your thoughts? Well, I find it very interesting that um, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about um, Kohlberg's uh, morality scale and the, uh, oh, forgive me, I don't have anything in front of me, but um, the the end result of Kohlberg's morality scale is um, a decision is made not based on selfishness, not based on fear of punishment, not based on acceptance by a group, but based on universal ethical principles. And um, it just seems that as we talk about these scales of development, the last development is one of um, seeing humanity and seeing things beyond your tribe, beyond your family, beyond your society, and seeing things as a whole for the entire species. And uh, I just I just find that very interesting. It seems like that's the highest way of thinking, the highest yes. way of understanding. And you know, when I made the business card for Dimwits, that's one of the I said beyond false authorities mm-hmm. and beyond us versus them. Mm-hmm. Now I put those two last on purpose because mm-hmm. they're off the radar for a lot of people. Right. Most people don't think about false authority. What is false authority? It's not in our lexicon. We don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. We ha- it's a term that's never really been defined. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a term that I like to use mm-hmm. because there's a lot of false authority in the world. Absolutely. Like, for example, the the Electoral College could be considered a false authority. They mm-hmm. put two people in the White House that didn't win the general election. Absolutely. And if we had a pure democracy using Bitcoin technology, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> All right, let, let's, let's bring it back into immigration. So, again, false authorities and us and them, that's a perfect place where that is absolutely apparent. Well, I was guilty of us and them by saying you should speak English. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a tribal, is, weird? That's a tribal way of thinking. Isn't it weird how you have blind spots? We yeah. all have blind spots. So that's you know? the whole point of this podcast, mm-hmm. but it's what needs to happen. This is the conversation that needs absolutely. to happen in America. Absolutely. Everybody in this country needs to get past the false authority. They need to get past the us versus them. Mm-hmm. We need to grow in the growth mm-hmm. hierarchy. We need to go to the next level. We need to be fourth tier or we need to be integral in our thinking. And right. how are we going to get there without having a conversation? Without having a conversation with each other and without learning how to accept each other despite opposite views or despite different views. Speaking of views, so let me get back to my last thing on immigration because I really it, feel like i got to say this. Um, this is where uh, a lot of folks would probably disagree with me on and I believe you probably would too, Mark, although I'm not sure. Uh, I want to talk about um, immigration from the point of illegal immigration. So, in in your in your diatribe there, or in your in your commentary, you mentioned um, that you know liberals are for open borders, um, or uh, even Bernie uh, originally you know said that's a most terrible thing. So, let me uh, let me tell you, just, this is my personal view. I don't know how it lines up with the those people who have three letters that I will not mention. Uh, or any of that kind of stuff. But um, here, here's what I think about illegal immigration. Okay. So, the first thing is, is it's extremely difficult to immigrate to this country in a legal way. I knew you were going to say that. What makes you think I didn't know I was? you were going to say that? I knew oh, you were going to say yeah, that. Yeah, what yeah, makes yeah. you think I didn't know yeah. you were going to say oh, that? Yeah, I knew yeah, you were, yeah, 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 yeah. What makes you think I didn't know I... What makes you think I didn't know you were going to say that? Okay, okay. Well, no, no, I don't know if you knew it or anybody else. All you Republicans out there, you probably know I was going to say that anyway, too. But but, but here's here's the thing. That was a very bad Martin Short imitation. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. okay. For those people who watched Saturday Night Live in the 80s. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um... The, the thing that, that's holding us up here is that if immigration was made easier to get in this country, and if you made it extremely easy, now we'll talk about the us and them and how would this country adopt all those immigrants in just a minute, but here's the thing, when people, I'm not saying here this thing too much, when people come over this country, and the reason they slip across the border, un Unlike what Trump says, the majority of them are not carrying drugs on their back because most drugs come in illegal ports of entry. But they come across this border out of a sense of desperation. Uh, by the, airplane. By Well, if by airplane, that's how most of them do it. So the wall is going to stop that, right? The wall is not going to do a damn thing. Let's, let's be honest. Except planes waste can't a lot fly over money. walls? Oh, no. You no. fool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you fool. Yeah, they didn't fly over buildings. We're but, putting up you know, a wall. It's going to yeah, put a stop to absolutely. those damn airplanes. Those, the, those damn airplanes, right. But the ones that are coming over uh, illegally... Uh, across the border and across the river in the traditional sense, those are the ones that don't have the the um, the resources to get an airplane or to, to get on a bus. 
and they've most of them have made long treks, and they're coming over out of a sense of desperation. Now, they're avoiding the border checkpoints, and especially now when you might have your children taken away from you, or you're going to be turned back, and you're going to be living under a bridge for six weeks while they decide if they can let you in. Or you might. Why have would a- you not slip across the border? Yeah, especially you know? if you had 20 pounds of marijuana. Oh, yeah, back. yeah, well, uh, yeah, right, exactly. So here's the thing. Some do. Now, let's be honest. Some people are going to slip across the border illegally to bring contraband into the United States. If you change the laws and made it extremely easy for families and for refugees and for those seeking asylum to come into this country, then the only ones that are going to be slipping across the border are going to be the ones that are up to no good. Well, why don't you just go ahead and legalize marijuana while you're at it, you moron? Well, rock and roll, baby! Let's go! I'm on the left. Let's legalize it. Um, I'll talk to you a little bit after this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually, you'd be surprised, but uh, I do support that. I mean, of course, as a libertarian, I, I mean, I don't care. Well, yeah, of course you would. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, so I agree. Yeah, as far as the marijuana issue, I, I, just, I think borders are arbitrary things that are invented by uh, by by wait, countries. You, and you I, agree with me on this? Listen, the libertarians don't don't recognize the authority, false authority. That's what it yeah. is that calls itself being a United States government. Mm-hmm. Okay, and puts up an arbitrary border. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, these people who we call Spanish are not Spanish; they're native. North and South Americans. I mean, if you look at their ancestry, they, they are Indian. There's a mixture of Indian and Spanish. The, the Hispanic, most Hispanics have a mix of Native American and either um, Spanish or Portuguese blood. Yeah, I mean, the only issue I have is that I hate Mexican music. <laughs> so that's, I mean, you know what that is? That's uh, that's German polka. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds a lot like Mexican music to me, you know. Well, you, but... let me tell you, the two worst things that mm. they're ever done in human history mm-hmm. was done by the Germans. Number uh, one, the Germans killed a bunch of Jews yes. at, in Nazi war camps. Okay, That was horrible. That was a criminal act. That was genocide. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. And the second worst thing that the Germans did mm-hmm. was bring polka to Mexico. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I'm amazed that you're actually agreeing with me on this, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. I, the, the question becomes, why don't we do that? Why is America, why is there so much insistence on tightening border security? Or, I mean, even Obama tightened border security. Uh, as a matter of fact, he even got in trouble. I remember seeing well, listen, pictures of um, kids in cages and stuff. When the talk about building a wall was mm. first started by Trump and others, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Paul said, you know, they build walls for two reasons. Mm-hmm. To keep people out and to keep people in. Right. Okay? And so... I'm a little bit of a paranoid type, you know, uh, being, uh, being uh, you know, the bipolar person I am. <laughs> and um, so I look at a wall, and I want to know what direction the, what do you call the which, bob wire? Which way is the barbed wire facing? Which, yeah, which way? <laughs> that's right. I want to know. If it's facing north, it means they're trying to keep us in. Right. If it's facing south, they're trying to keep them out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if, if, if the wall to Mexico has barbed wire facing both directions, mm. uh, which would not surprise me. Yeah, right. Uh, then, you know, then I'm going to, then you know what I'm going to say about that. Okay? Yeah, yeah, it's both, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, 
it was pure propaganda. This whole building a wall thing. Oh, it's, it's foolish. Pure propaganda. Like I said, this was the horse that he rode to Washington, Absolutely. and Absolutely. so he knew that it, all he had to do was keep saying fake news, fake news, fake news. Now uh-huh. there is fake news, by the way. I agree. I, with, I agree with that. Too. I agree with that. And yeah. so he, he's a, he's smart enough to tap into the psychology of the American people. That's exactly and, and what he did. Be able to tap into something that some people that no other politician had the courage or guts to do. Mm-hmm. He has the balls. You got to give him the credit for that. I mean, he's an unconventional yeah. thinker. Mm-hmm. He's he's a uh, he's a. You might think he's a billionaire buffoon and a clown, mm-hmm. and maybe he is. Well, but you know he what? Is, but he's smart. He's savvy enough to get his own uh, reality TV show. Yeah. And now he just moved it to the. White House. Yeah, that's all he did. <laughs> so my question would be, why not allow, why not make it? What does the federal government do for me? Okay. Take I your could, money. I could do away with it tomorrow and I'd be better off. Every time the government <laughs> shuts down, I'm like, keep it shut down. Thank you. All right. You know, seriously, I want to institute pure democracy yeah. from the bottom up. And yeah. how do you do that? You go into the small little towns and communities that are just uh-huh. getting incorporated. Like, there's a Lincoln. Where you, is that where you That's do the high school? That's where I work, yeah. It's an incorporated mm-hmm. city. hmm Okay. But it's still pretty small. hmm Okay. What they could do is have their own cryptocurrency. They could have their own blockchain, and everybody that's in that city limits would be required to use that currency mm-hmm. to exchange. Now, this isn't uh-huh. going to work in every situation, but it would work uh-huh. in some situations. It would work very well. And that becomes the revenue stream for the whole community. And now the money's circulating within their boundaries. And guess what? Once you establish that system and get that system working, you don't need anybody outside of that system. But what happens when you go to Prairie Grove and they don't take your money? Well, you could exchange your cryptocurrency for their cryptocurrency. There's no reason so why... exchanging. The technology is available, man. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm just saying, let's reinvent government from the bottom up. Sure, I agree. Let's make pure well, democracy. Let's get rid of these God. arbitrary borders. Let's yeah. get rid of the federal government. We don't need it. Yeah. And I, I'm not advocating that we go back Hello, just to... Hello, NSA. Sh- Hello, NSA. I want to apologize for what we're <laughs> that, saying right now. Watch your language. The NSA... I told not, you not really. Okay, go ahead. I thought you said you weren't going to use the kind of language. No, 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 no. I used the other one I can't say. Oh. Yeah. Well, I get confused with alphabet soup, A, B, C, N, B, C, X, Y, Z, Fox News. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. That's another cuss word. I'm sure CIA, FBI, that. NSA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just You're a bunch of garbage. Okay. Man, I could live without all of that. Jeez. Well, as a libertarian, I could definitely see your point. And uh, I want to go back to immigration for just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, before we close off here. So, first of all, I'm very glad that you and I are actually in agreement on these things. Um, I wasn't always. I uh, wasn't I mean, always. There was a, let me just say that I have grown to, a, to my fourth level tier of integral understanding of getting past the false authority and the us versus them, mm-hmm. I wasn't always there. Okay, it wasn't that long ago. I was living in, and, and I was living um, in Las Vegas, and I remember having really bitter, ugly attitude towards uh, people who came to this country uh, huh. that were that were Spanish speaking, didn't speak English, because I worked at a casino in Las Vegas, and um, some uh, he was a criminal who left Cuba or some country, came here, had a girlfriend that he worked with at McDonald's, um, she got herself a new boyfriend, he didn't like it, so he built a bomb, and mm. he left it on the car, and oh, she man. went out to open the door to her car, and the bomb went off and killed her. Oh my gosh, okay, wow. And he was in this country illegally. 
Yeah. And he was a criminal that had been released from jail from Cuba or some shit. Right, yeah, yeah. I remember when Castro let go, let all of the, yeah. the let the prisons out and sent yeah. them to Florida. And yeah. after that, I just yeah. had a bitterness towards anybody right. that was, I thought was in this country illegally, and I carried that chip on my shoulder for a while. Sure. And and, and that that's that's kind of the issue here, is that it's it's so easy to think of someone who is here as being like the fellow that set the bomb. Yeah. Uh, you know, because why? Because they're different. Because they look different, they speak a different language, they come from a different culture, they're an outsider, they don't fit in, they haven't lived here very long. And it's he's again, dating and he's dating that chick with the hot body. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh well, I mean, so he's competing. I really hate him now. He's now he's competing with all the males. Yeah, I can't have him. Uh, uh, send him you know, back. Send yeah, him yeah, back. Send, send him back. He's a Absolutely. criminal. Absolutely. He's, a, he's a rapist. Right, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget the rapist. So, well, it uh, turns out some of them are. Okay, but well, yes, of the, course the they thing, are. The thing is that um, I was just really jealous because you know he was dating a hot chick, you know? but um, but I, but but you know. So I mean, there's all these different things in our human nature that make us us versus them mentality, mm-hmm. and so we fall into the tribalism. We regress. Even mm-hmm. people who are evolved spiritually regress mm-hmm. because of events that happen like that. Yeah, and you know? it's so easy. The human mind tends to focus on the negative instead of the positive. Actually, statistically, immigrants are less. Uh, less inclined to criminal activity That's than true. than native born Americans. That's true. Well, yeah, because if they're here illegally, um, they don't want to go to the police and complain about their husband beating them. Well, and see you again, know? there's so another that's a problem. thing. There's we another need to solve thing. that problem. Absolutely, there's another thing. That, think about, um, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, all these are criminal. Well, if you're coming here to this to this country. And I remember when I went to Mexico a few years ago, um, I remember seeing a guy. Uh, he was making $10 a day uh, using a hammer and a chisel to break apart a concrete slab. And I'm like, really? 10 bucks a day to do this? So all he would have to do is somehow figure out a way to get just to the other side of the border. And he could work, even if he was illegal... He could still work for five dollars an hour when minimum wage is eight twenty five. He could still work for five dollars an hour, not ten dollars a day, but five dollars an hour using a jackhammer to break apart a concrete slab. So, you know, and if you go to the, the legal ports of entry and you don't have any way to get there but walk or maybe have a relative take you and they turn you back because their quota is full or as Trump has recently said, America is full. Americans' prisons are full. Americans' prisons are full. And because Americans' prisons are full, we need immigrants to take up the slack. Okay? (laughs) And because there's so many illegals in this country, Uh we don't notice how many people are incarcerated. Mm, That's a very good idea. That's, we, we, you know, it's amazing how diversion works, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And uh, our politicians take advantage of that. That's, we're not, uh, the Democrats are not innocent of that, of that same tactic. No, they're not. No, and the Republicans certainly are not. But they, they, the Democrats the learn all their bad tricks from the Republicans, though, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, you know. Wow, man, and, you are coming over to my side. Oh, wait, I'm just telling the truth. I'm a libertarian. I can stand outside the, I can stand outside the bipolar disorder uh, that's called the Republican-Democrat, you know, uh, 
what, what, haberdashery, <laughs> and, and and I can uh, be objective and look at it mm-hmm. and say it and call it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are you know they're being bamboozled. Absolutely. And as a socialist, I can do the exact same thing. I just use bamboozled and haberdashery in the same sentence. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah! That's that that takes a true dimwit to be able to do that. I know. I am. I am qualified. Awesome. I am qualified. That's awesome. So uh, okay, so to. To think about this, I think Mark and I have actually found some common ground. We've solved the problems of the world tonight. Yes, we have. I feel very proud of That's us. That's very good. Now, if we can just get everybody in Washington to listen to us and really do what we say, <sighs> that's the real... Well, again, it's going to be a bottom-up much. revolution, and it's going to use the technology of blockchain, Bitcoin technology. And you can start with small little towns, and you can start to you know have pure democracy at the lowest level. Absolutely. And that's the only way it's ever going to be implemented at a higher level. So and it's just like a growth hierarchy. You start out with the, the tribe, the little group, your mm-hmm. selfish little group, mm-hmm. and then you move into a, a larger group, and then you move right. it up. But when you get to the higher level... you. I'm not saying rebuild a pyramid. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm saying keep that baby as flat as a pancake because the technology now exists to make that possible. Yeah, I, I agree. And the first step of doing that is beginning to talk to each other and spreading these yeah. ideas. Yeah, we have and to get to the, the integral level of spiritual awareness and awakening mm-hmm. to be able to understand that, you know, we've been taught a lot of things that aren't true. I mean, you know, this fake news, fake news, fake news. We've been lied to about a great many things. But but before we get into that conversation, mm. I want to explain what false authority is. Okay, go ahead. False authority is anything that gets between you and God. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when you hate your neighbor, guess what? Your prejudice has got between you and God. That's right. And exactly who is your neighbor? Well, in the story of Cain and Abel, uh, those were brothers and one killed the other. Mm-hmm. And the story of the Good Samaritan, it was a Samaritan that was the neighbor and the Samaritan was a hated racial group right. by the Jewish people that Jesus was actually talking How to. How about that? Isn't that something? That seems apropos for our mm, conversation. It certainly does. It certainly yeah. does. And it I always... think that's at the core it always helps to keep oh, a issue. former Baptist preacher slash... <laughs> yeah. Please don't say the B word either. I am no longer a Baptist nor a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can find one who also happens to be Marxist-Leninist... Then you, uh, then well, that you, makes yeah. me one in a million right there, buddy. Right, right. Well, hey, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist Christian, so... There you go. Go, there go, you go. figure that out. That's right. I'm a Dallas Marxist with... Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian with... Marxist political leanings and economic leanings and Taoist influences. How's that? Yeah, I might be a libertarian socialist. Is there such a thing? Yes, there is. As a matter of fact. Let's invent that. Uh, it's already been invented, and I would love to speak about that for the next three days, dude. And I'm going to talk about Bitcoin technology thing. and integrate that into the idea of holacracy. Mm-hmm. We need to get past our preconceived ideas as to what politically is right and wrong because we've been lied to, and we've lied to ourselves. Our own human nature is a false authority. It gets in the way of us loving people, and we have got to get past that. We have got to grow spiritually. We've got to open our minds. We've got to have open dialogue. We've got to understand our neighbor if we're going to love our neighbor. Man, you sound like a preacher. You're a better preacher than I am. I think you should take it up. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm kidding, but I, you do, you, you're making very good sense. Well, very good sense. I wouldn't it, wish a pre- being a preacher on anybody. Yeah, well, <laughs> there, there's a false authority again in the church. Isn't it a shame? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right, and that's yeah. a whole other podcast. Yeah, I mean, false authority is everywhere. When you start waking up and realizing what false authority is, you see it everywhere. You know? Yep. It's everywhere. 
And uh, and so is this uh, tribalism and this us versus them mentality. We all fall victim to it. And, you know, even the most enlightened spiritual beings on the planet can regress back into tribalism. And so yeah. that's something we have to be aware of. And it's such a, a part I think of the, human nature. The whole country is kind of, we've, we've all, the whole nation is falling back into tribalism is what I see. Mm-hmm. And we're better than that. That's what I'm saying. We're better than that, people. You know, let's, let's, let's grow. Let's mature. Let's love our neighbor. What's the problem here? I mean, let's take the issues that we're discussing, the, the toughest, most divisive issues, and let's get to the common sense, common ground of the whole nitty gritty. And when we do that, like we're doing here, yes, it's funny how it brings you together, yes, and it, does. it changes you. And all of a sudden, you don't have a chip on your shoulder. You don't have all this animosity and resentment. Why? Because all of that was just in your head. That's right. That's right. What you got? Oh, you're applauding. There we yeah, go. Yeah, I just discovered a uh, a. Uh, um, <laughs> Hit it again, effects. Sam. Play it again, all Sam. All right, here we go. Don't drop the damn thing. Okay. You know where that Play It Again Sam comes from? Uh, yeah, it comes from uh, Casablanca. Yeah, do you know that's not actually in the movie? I know it's not. You know Why do you know that? Because I uh, just saw a clip on TV about uh, four hours ago. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, we're operating on the same wavelength here. Uh, how, how interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's considered to be one of the Mandela effects. Oh, is it? Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. I'll, I'll argue with you on that. No, I've, we can't I, talk about that. Literally, I, I've known... We can't talk about that. Yeah, well, yeah, why not? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've known that Played Against Sam hasn't been in the movie for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah believe Well, it's... you know, like, people uh, like that... Let's see. Um, interview with a Vampire is the name of the book. Ah, yes. But everybody remembers it as Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In fact... Um, in fact, Anne Rice herself was being interviewed one time, and twice in that interview, she refers to her own book, which is titled Interview with a Vampire. She refers to it as Interview with the Vampire. So the author of the book slips up. Wow. Okay? That's and, and how many times have you heard people, this is a pet peeve of mine, mm-hmm. how many pe- times have you heard people retur- re- refer to the last book of the Bible as the book of Revelations? Right, but it's not, is it's it? It's not. No, it's the book of... The revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, okay. And yeah. you could abbreviate that and say the revelation. The revelation. There's no uh-huh. S on the end. There's no S. But no, almost right. everybody puts an S on the end. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So are these Mandela effects or is there something going on with the human brain where we do that as a natural course? Well, um, of course, I've seen the YouTube videos where it's Mandela effects, but I've also seen uh, and read some articles where it's kind of a part of the human mind to abbreviate or to get things confused. Well, see, I just said Mandela Effect, and -hmm. you said Mandela Effects. So Ah, there's another example. There you go. I mean, we we do this as a natural course. Mm -hmm. There's, Mm -hmm. if you, I think it has something to do with the the way the brain works. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a hundred people together, I suspect that you're going to find that there's a percentage that will uh, replace the A with the uh-huh. in certain instances, right. and we'll replace, uh, we'll add an S at the end of a word right. uh, that right. doesn't belong there. And right. this is just uh, one of the quirky things about being human. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we all have different um, expressions of personality and temperament. Mm-hmm. Some people are INTP, the good mm-hmm. ones are, you know. The, the, <laughs> 
INFP, but we're close. Hey, no, man, we're close, yeah. Hey, yeah. Einstein was INTP. Oh, of course okay. he was. Yeah, of course he I was. I rest my case. That fits perfectly, yeah. That's yeah. why when you when you hear these, these diatribes from me and then from Mark, his are really detailed and and precisely done, and mine's like, yeah, you know, F this. It sounds all right. You know, it'll be okay. That, that's the difference. <laughs> that's the difference between yeah, INFB. You're a slacker. And, 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 absolutely, man. You're a I'm slacker, a man. Dude. Why do you even care about anything? Yeah, I don't know. Jeez. You know what? I don't really care that I don't care. I know. You just I'm like to sit on the couch and play video games when nobody's watching. Absolutely. Ooh, yeah, man, that's slacker. my perfect day, dude. You are a slacker. Yeah. Uh, okay, so man. I did the... Uh, You're better than that, man. (laughs) You're better than that, man. I know it, man. Let me just light up this doobie and I'll tell you all about it. Okay. Here's Raindrop. Yeah, that's Raindrop hanging in there. Making his appearance. Oh, did I tell you I did a little radio spot for the... the, Did you listen to it? Uh, Yes, I did. Did you like that? that? Yeah, it was definitely Wilbur. Yeah, Yeah. Wilbur. I I can almost see Wilbur Dunlap. Hey, this is Wilbur Dunlap. How you doing there? (laughs) I can almost see him standing there with his tattoos and his "Make America Great Again" cap. Take gum, (laughs) take gum. Here we are. Here we are again. We're outside. We're outside the coffee shop. We're gonna we're gonna have ourselves some coffee. Yeah, you got a coffee latte. You like them lattes? You want a latte? I'm gonna bring my I'm gonna bring my buddy. Raindrop. Hey. I called you uh, Gumball. No, you called I... me Snowflake. Snowflake. <laughs> oh, Beware shit. of the snowflakes. Okay, we're going to have to do, we're going to have to work on our coming. routine and come up with a little shtick. Oh, absolutely. A little shtick. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so uh, one thing that I want to remind anybody out there that actually happens to listen to this mm-hmm. is we are having Coffee and Community next week mm-hmm. at, uh, on April 13th. Yeah, so come on down. At 6.30 at uh, the Cafe on Broadway. There's going to be at least two people who show up. There, there'll be at least two. Yeah. Yeah, and there'll be two there. There might be uh, another two if we're lucky. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to get uh, Wilbur Dunlap mm. and his buddy Raindrop, Raindrop. Uh, to make a special appearance. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. What? What? Huh? Huh? I don't know. That's man. how Raindrop talks. He's always saying, huh? Yeah, but but Raindrop does like the coffee Some reason shop. For that, because he is a he is a bohemian. Bohemian. Oh, I just like to say that. Bohemian. Say, say that really slow, bohemian. man. Bohemian. Bohemian. Cool. What was the song? Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, Queen. Oh, Queen. Oh, yeah. yeah. And speaking of Queen. And the Mandela effect. Go and ahead. And the Mandela effect. But speaking of Queen and Freddie Mercury, our next subject. Yes. Is um. LGBT. Oh, how did you pick that out of a hat? Uh, I took the random number generator. That random generator is getting me in trouble. Son of a gun, man, is getting both of us in trouble. That that (laughs) damn. I don't see. This is where I think there's like something going on Uh, in the universe that affects randomness uh, maybe much higher than the percentage Mm. than it should be. Yeah, what was that theory that we were talking about the other day? Yeah. Yeah, mental, it's, it's, it has to do with intention of the heart. You can mm. affect the, everything's probability, but probability mm. can be affected by your intentions. Mm. And mm-hmm. so that's why, you know, uh, witch doctors can throw bones down on, a, on a, and they can read them. And why some people will, and uh, I said witch doctors intentionally just to kind of needle you. Yeah, um, yeah. Eh, you didn't go for it? Okay. <laughs> no, no. Um, and, and tea leaves, reading tea leaves, mm. and, and uh, mm-hmm. astrology, and all of that can mm-hmm. be interpreted through the human mind that has intention. Or it could be just that instead of seeing as believing, believing is seeing. 
That's what I'm saying. I mean, look, you you have to have the human consciousness in order for reality what, to be visible. Maybe you see what you want to see. Of course, everyone does, and that goes. Into your we see the world we want to see, mm-hmm. and that's called prejudice and preconceived ideas, and this is where we get ourselves in trouble. Yes. But there are some people who are gifted to be able to have intention and be able to affect uh, the outcome of probability fields. You know, and so that's when, why the LGBT came up when you did your random <laughs> generator. All right. So w- when you say that, it, it, it really, you know, I, well, again, that's for another subject. No, but go ahead. I, I struggle between spirituality and mm-hmm. scientific. Yeah. So you saying that it it, it piqued my interest in spirituality, mm-hmm. but the the scientifical and cynical side of me said, "Yeah, it's bunk." So I would love to believe yeah. the spirituality it, it fits. Well, better. listen, uh, you just need to. Um uh, learn some more information from sources that are scientific that mm-hmm. speak on this subject. And um, uh, there are several people I can point you to, and we're going to do a podcast sure. about that. Yeah, we'll do that eventually. We'll do a Absolutely. podcast about that. And so you can be as skeptical as you want to be, okay? Well, All right? You'll just, you'll just be as skeptical <laughs> as you want to be, honey. All right? That's right, baby. <laughs> Okay, you're freaking or me out. Or from the female version. We're getting ready right, for the baby. LGBT show. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, there's a Q at the end. Uh, actually, uh, yes, there is. And, and who I'm... decided it was LGBT? Why isn't it TLGBWE? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to add science versus spiritual. Sheldon Mandrake is the dude, man. He wrote a book called The Science Delusion. Mm-hmm. That's the name that was published in Britain. And over here, they had to change the name for some reason. There was a book called The God Delusion that was published by a famous atheist, Dawkins. Uh, yeah. So I suspect mm-hmm. he might have threatened him probably, or something. Yeah, Bullshit, because Dawkins is a dick! Dawkins is a dick! <laughs> Dawkins, you are a dick! But That's he, um, very Christian language, by the way. Well, <laughs> let me see. The good thing I could say about Dawkins is that he, he did coin the term meme. Oh! And That's the neat. term meme is misused. They refer to it on the internet, on Facebook, as like little visual things that, you know, have sayings that try to influence people. And these are memes they pass mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Well, that's not really what a meme is. No. According to Dawkins, a meme is a mind virus that spreads from mind to mind. And he gives an example of a mind virus or a meme complex as religion. Religion. Yes. yes. I knew you were going to say that. So you know what the oh, supreme meme uh, what is God, God is the supreme meme. The supreme meme. The supreme yeah. mind virus. So if yeah. you want to talk about science and religion and, the, and how you are have this internal uh, bipolar disorder going on, <laughs> yeah. uh, then yes, we can have that conversation. Absolutely. But we're going to talk. Uh, Sheldon Mandrake is the dude. Mm. Okay, He, he did a, a talk on uh, TED Talks. You know TED Talks? Mm, yeah. You're a liberal, aren't you? Yes, okay, I love I'm TED just Talks. Ch- you, you listen to NPR, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just, just doing a reality yeah. check. Just right. checking your credentials. That's right. Okay, so... TED Talks, awesome, and mm-hmm. and he gave a TED Talk that was banned. Yeah, I saw that on YouTube. It said banned TED Talk, but I haven't I haven't actually listened to it yet. Dude is smart, huh? Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, and he and he's 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 been. I mean, dude is smart. Okay, yeah. like, and he he thinks outside the box because he did some psychedelics once upon a time. Oh. All right, did some mushrooms, little shrooms, oh, action, you know? Trippy. And yeah, I mean. Raindrop is going to, like, really, Raindrop like... Raindrop wants to know what his phone number is. Raindrop man. is going to want to hang out with dude. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I, so, I in fact, the, the people that did hang out with him mm-hmm. are some fucking cool people, man. Mm. Like, you find out who his circle of friends are... Yeah. Then you know he's, he really is a genius, okay? Mm. Because, like, I'm not even going to say anymore. But, listen, mm. 
got to have this conversation. And you mm-hmm. know, and dude is walking the earth, man. I'd love to shake this dude's hand. I like to meet mm. him. I'd like to interview him. I like to, you know, I like to hang out with dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, there's been people that have lived during my lifetime that I wanted to meet, mm-hmm. like Russell Means, who started the American Indian Movement. Um, yeah. I didn't get to meet him. He died of cancer. Fortunately, I didn't get to meet him. Our yeah. paths crossed. I was living on an Indian reservation where he lived too, but oh, I never, wow. met, I never met him because I was only like two years old. Oh. Um, <laughs> he was fighting with the FBI at the time. So, oh yeah, back in the early '70s. Yeah, yeah I lived through that yeah. little piece of history. That's was really there. cool, man. Yeah. That's in fact, really if we cool. ever do a movie about my life, like mm-hmm. a Forrest Gump thing, yeah. then it's going to be me standing next to a dude, you know? Oh, there you go. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Russell Means. Oh, that's Libertarian. Hilarious. Ran for president three times. Cool. Yeah. He uh, he was, you know, who beat him was Ron Paul. That was the... Oh, uh, really? Yeah. For, oh, the, okay. for the nomination of the, of the, the Libertarian. Libertarian Party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. Yes. Yeah, Bring us that. home, my friend. All right. Immigration. Um, it's a controversial issue. Uh, Mark and I have found some common ground uh, on the idea of the English language and on the idea of reforming the immigration law to make it easier for immigrants to get here. And also, I happen to agree with him on the idea that the Democratic Party is going to have to address the, begin quote, white working class, end quote, in order to be able to get the presidency from Donald Trump. Are they going to do it? Are they going to be able to do it? I hope so. That's not uh, an answer. That's not no, an answer. No, 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 no. I think they You will. know they can't, man. I you know think, they're entrenched think, in their ideology. I think they are so messed up yeah. by the idiots that's in the White House, they will do anything. No, ex- except change uh, their ideological positions. They're not going to use common sense. They're stuck. Well, they're stuck in their ideology. We will know in a little over a year. Yeah. Right well. on. We're gonna, yeah. Who cares? We don't care about who nothing. cares. Who cares? You know, we're just gonna be nihilist and emo people. And we're cares? just not gonna care, man. Next week we'll be talking about LGBTQ, Q. Uh, which will probably get us into a whole lot of trouble. I think I might be Q. You might be Q. I don't know what it is. What is it? Well, Q you... is questioning. Go. Oh, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. No one's told I've, me that. I've before. heard it as questioning or queer. I'm not sure questioning. which one. So questioning, you questioning is means that you're curious. You're, you're, like, cu- you're curious. You're not sure about your sexual yeah. orientation. Oh. Yep. Or gender? Uh, or gender. Either one. Okay. Yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure about my gender, so I guess I don't qualify. I'm as pretty as cisgendered. I'm pretty straight, pretty cisgendered. That's oh, there you go. The using the language cisgendered. Yeah. Dude, man, I work with teenagers, man. Come wow. on, dude. Okay. I've got three transsexual clients right is now. Is that true? Absolutely, wow. and at least a couple of gay clients. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's well, a different multi, world, dude. You're, you're multicultural. I it's, mean, yeah, you're, pretty much. It's a you're different a metro, world. man. Okay, so you're so cool. You're my new hero. <laughs> so, round of applause to yeah. tell us if we should shut up or not and call it a night. And on that note, the dimwits say good night. You know, I'm a little paranoid that everything I say and do is being recorded. Of course, everything I say and do is being recorded. <laughs> Maybe it's not paranoia. It's not paranoia if it's true. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm yeah. not schizophrenic. No, That's good to know. Not that I know of. Oh, well, okay. So <laughs> I, I'm I, being paranoid. Is, you're not paranoid if they really are out to get you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Um, and what about being bipolar? Now, I, I could be diagnosed as bipolar. Well, um, um, 
we can get into that uh, later, Mark. I, I have, I actually have, break out the DSM and we'll what see. What does it mean? What does it mean to be bipolar? I mean, I do have manic episodes. So uh-huh. if they last three or more, three or more days, and if you and if you're that way almost all the time during those three days to three weeks, and that's followed by periods of distinct depression that is either the same or worse than what it was before you had the manic episode. Yeah, we may get you on some lithium or something. Well, I heard that lithium is some good shit, so, mm. you know. I mean, there was a guy on the radio I listened to in there in Las Vegas. I mean, he was coming from, he lived in Nye County where prostitution is legal. So uh. you kind of have to take everything that's said out there with a grain of salt. But, <laughs> um, or or maybe a grain of lithium. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is a salt, isn't it? Or isn't, it is a salt. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I salt. wonder if the expression, take it with a grain of salt, comes from taking lithium. Uh, who knows? I might have stumbled onto something. I'm going to have to <laughs> you, go research that. You have to research that. You may have See? to go back where prostitution is illegal. And research I'm manic that. right now. Yeah. I feel like... I, I'm totally enjoying this conversation because it's like my mind is going a hundred places at once. And, oh man! You know, I'm definitely bipolar. There you go. Well, let's bring it on back to immigration. Oh, okay, okay, manic? okay, okay. But it's so much fun to be manic. Oh um, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it just, is. It definitely it's is. It's the depression that comes later that, that really sucks. Is, sucks. So yeah, you know what I try yeah. to do is time it so that when I'm doing the uh, podcast, I'm mm-hmm. manic ah. because it's more enjoyable for the audience. Uh-huh. Because well, un- if, unfortunately, my friend, if you can time it. You're not bipolar. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Can much. I still get some lithium? <laughs> you had to talk to the shrink about that, but I heard it's good shit. <laughs> um, I don't know. But, you know, they only give it to people who are really f***ed up. Uh, yeah. Well, so that, maybe it's dangerous. It is. Actually, you have to have your blood tested every six months. Why? Or every three months. Because if the presence of lithium gets too high in your blood, it'll kill you. So it's toxic. It's a poison. Yes, it is. It is. I didn't mm-hmm. know that it could Absolutely. kill you. Wow. I've always been asked, you know, what's your poison? Instead of answering, yeah. you know, Jack Daniels, Jack you just Dan- say lithium. I'll just say lithium. Lithium. <laughs> yeah. Right here. Slap, slap. <laughs> okay. So you want to reel it in? Let's reel it in. Let's yeah, bring see, it Let's I had bring the, it I had to get the audience involved. Absolutely. Because they're going to listen to your... Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to want. I didn't want to say it, but no, no, it's true. It's true. Okay, I know. all right. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm but not you know a what? You're, I do enjoy the content of mm. what, and and you're making this is a fledgling effort. I and it I, is. I, I, it takes courage to do that. Mm. You know, I got to give you props for putting yourself out there. Appreciate and, that. And uh, you know, but you are a history buff, and you have I a lot am. to contribute. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.